Welcome back to another Star Sports Betting People and I have some fabulous news. I am no longer interviewing behind the screen on Zoom. I am here and as you can tell I am here at Goodwood and it is a glorious day as per usual here at Goodwood. Now the reason I'm here today is because I am interviewing Ed Arcor who is clerk of the course. So without further ado let's meet Ed. <laughs> who is clerk of the course and we're going to find out a little bit about his job so Ed can you tell me a little bit firstly what exactly is the clerk of the course uh, so the clerk of the course looks after all the racing aspect of the race course so the racing surface that we're standing on now and then anything to do with owners trainers horses jockeys and stables and usually the lawns and green spaces as well so how did you get into this because I, for me, I can't imagine this is something at school you said, this is what I want to be, unless it is. No, it wasn't, it wasn't. Um, I had been racing at Cheltenham and was lucky enough to know Simon Clace, who was clerk there then, um, and he gave me a job driving a vet and I got hooked and everybody I met, I said, can I come and shadow you or have you got a job on a race day? So I've done, you know, fence attending at Warwick or helped in the stables at Ascot and all that sort of thing. And then I worked for John Dunlop, the trainer, for a couple of years and then got a trainee clerk's job. Did you ever ride yourself? Or? No, nobody's stupid enough to let me loose on a race course with a racehorse. It's bad enough on the gallops, but yeah. So just tell me a little bit about what it is like for you um, on a race day. So what, what would be your schedule? So I'd be in for about half five in the morning, do half an hour sort of paperwork, emails and bits and pieces. And then we walk the track, give the going update by about course to seven. Um, so that the owners, trainers, jockeys and everybody know what's going on. Um, answer any phone calls from trainers. Um, there will always be a few queries about ground or this and that. Um, pop down to the stables, make sure everything's all right there. Have some breakfast in the canteen. See any of the travelling head lads that have been in overnight. Um, back up to the race course, do a few bits and pieces. Um, and then we walk the track again about two hours before racing with the chairman of the stewards. Just as a final check and another pair of eyes. And then we get into racing. Um, once we start racing, providing everything's going okay, it's very much sort of, you know, be about parading up to the stewards box to watch the races and just generally talking to people. It's when things go wrong, um, you start to earn your money with doctors, vets and all that sort of thing. So just going back to your emails and, and things like that, do you have to email most of the trainers in the morning or do you ring them? No, it, that's all done automatically on the BHA racing admin site. Um, so we upload our details there onto the system and then upload onto the, the main site which then notifies all the trainers and the trainers can pop on have a look at it and they can look at not just the going for here but anywhere in the next 10 days um, and then the various owners and jockeys will have access to that as well um, but there'll always be queries from trainers you know maybe they're just not quite sure is it going to be all right for the horse or what's it going to do is, it, is the rain going to come I think the worst one for us is when the weather forecast a little uncertain or there's rain on the day and then trainers have obviously entered horses hoping for it to rain or hoping it won't rain um, and then everybody gets a little bit twitchy. Now before we get into that, because obviously as we know the going is very important for racing, but I just wanted to know, are you a one-man band or would you have a whole team to help you? Um, I've got a grand team of six people here, um, so they're the ones that do all the hard work, make this track look as well as it does. Um, you know, we stream round all around this running rail, there's about five and a half miles of running rail, we stream round that at least once a week. Um, so they do all the hard work, but actually when it comes to walking the track and giving the going, 
um, it's myself and the head groundsman comes with me sometimes. Now, I just pictured a huge lawnmower. So yep. it's an actual strimmer that comes along the grass so, and strims it no, we So we actually mow the track. We've got a seven right. metre wide mower. So you get through your lawn fairly quickly. Yeah. Um, but actually <laughs> under the rail, you can see all the running rail in each side. Yeah. Um, we'd strim around that because obviously you can't get a mower underneath it. You can mow both sides, but then you've got a running rail leg every however often. Oh, so there's about five miles to do. So when you have the lawnmower, how do you stop it from cutting it too short because that's another thing I want to ask there's a specific length isn't there for the grass and what it has to be yeah uh, sort of three to four inches for flat racing um, up here we tend to stick at four inches um, and you can set the mower very easily you know it's a huge professional piece of kit um, so that works easily enough and it's just a case of um, virtually winding the wheels down or up depending whether you want to raise or um, lower the cut height well, I think now we're talking about grass, let's have a look at the grass. Now, it's, I'm sure you guys can see, it's just the most perfect grass, isn't it, on a, on a track? And how do you maintain it? Um, very much, we have a fertiliser programme that we, uh, that we put in place. Um, that's what keeps it growing. Really, grass only just needs water, a bit of sunlight and some food to keep growing. Um, so that's the sort of the basis of it and then regular mowing we adjust the height of the mowing quite a lot um, and that just keeps the sward thick in the bottom um, we do various aeration work slitting it and spiking it and that just helps the roots go down because the most important thing on the surface is to have a good solid stable surface um, that doesn't chop up too much or doesn't become loose when the horses are running on it so the more you can do to, to cut into it so a slitter would be effectively a roller with knife blades on it. It just keeps putting slits into the soil and helps the roots get down deep and also does what's called root pruning, which is effectively cutting the roots and encouraging them to grow again. What happens if we've had a really hot summer? Because grass can get burnt, can't it? Grass can get burnt. We spend a lot of time irrigating. Um, and irrigating is a bit of a, a dark art. It's very controversial. Um, but at the end of the day, the injury statistics are very clear that the quicker the ground gets the worse the injury rate is um, there's also the misconception you just put just put enough water on to keep the grass growing well if you do that you're just watering the very top surface and all that happens is instead of the roots going right down the roots go down find they can't get any water and then start to come back up to find the water and then it's shallow rooting it goes back to what we were discussing before about the top chipping off so you've either got to not water it at all which means you won't have a race course, especially up here um, in the summer. Uh, or you uh, have to keep plenty of moisture in it, so you've got water right through the profile, and then the roots go right down, and you get a good, solid um, root base. Where did you learn all of this? Is it something you've learned on the job then, as you know, when you ask for jobs? Yeah, I'm very much. I, I did a land agent's degree um, at university, but really, you do a, about a year's training program um, once you get a trainee clerk's job, and you have to do various groundsman's courses as part of that and then it, it's learning on the job and it always takes time what I've, I mean, I've done all sorts of tracks um, everywhere from Sedgefield down to here um, and every track is different and you have to learn what the track likes and what it doesn't like and what works really well at Sedgefield for example will not work at Goodwood um, we're very high up on the downs here um, it dries very fast um, so it's a very different different situation from doing say Sedgefield or Lingfield that can get so wet on clay soil and is that why, like a place like Lingfield, they have an all-weather track because it will get so wet? Um, why they put in at Lingfield, I don't know, but um, it's a fascinating track and, and very different because they did a lot of work to it. Um, when they put the all-weather in, they realigned the back straight. And obviously, as with everything, um, soil takes time to settle down. And this part of the track we're on now here at Goodwood, 
uh, was built in the 1850s. So the track originally stopped about the three furlong marker. Um, and then it was extended by the Duke and uh, George Bentick um, to make a longer, flatter straight. So if you look over the rail on the far side, you can see there'd be up to a sort of 50 or 60 foot drop down into the car park. Well, this is all man-made ground. And this part of the track will re react differently from anything past the three furlong marker that was natural ground. And you can virtually walk in about three yards. You can tell where you've walked off one onto the other just because of the way it reacts differently and it needs a bit more water than this does or this holds its moisture better than that, whichever way you want to look at it. How do you maintain the track off-season? Uh, what we tend to do as soon as we finish racing is we'll cut this down as short as we can so we'll get down to about an inch and a half and then we put some scarifying discs and rakes through it to really rake out all the dead matter, the lateral growth, the thatch. Um, really make sure we've got all of that out because that tends to hold on to the moisture and it's also if you allow it to, to build up too much it becomes a perfect little habitat for turf pests like leather jackets and chafer grubs um, which then eat the turf root and then effectively it's like running on a mat on a polished floor you know how it just pulls up underneath you and you can literally just pick the turf up if you get an infestation of those um, so we do that and then we probably slit it spike it um, overseed it so we put on something like 20 grams of grass seed a square meter in mean, with a direct drill so about a ton and a half of grass seed um, get that going put some fertilizer on it and then literally just leave it alone all winter and start to think about probably giving it a cut depending what the winter and the spring's like but sort of March time we'd probably go over it with a we've got a ride on mower it's got a meter and a half cutting deck and we'll literally cut with that and it'll take the team about five or six days to do it just because it'll still be too wet to put the big tractor and mower on it. In part two, I find out why the going is important and what equipment Ed uses on the course. period of time where you leave the track alone I'm, I'd be right in saying that actually you have to keep an eye on it all year don't you? Yeah I'd walk it at least once a week during the winter um, and probably twice or three times a week in the summer and obviously more if we're racing so if we're racing we'll be walking every day or a couple of times a day just depending what's going on and if we're watering to see what the water effect the water is having um, because obviously you don't want to put too much or too little on because then you've got to go back over it or if you put too much on you can't undo that. Um, but with, with the watering, we know fairly much what's going on. And also, um, we can look at the evapotranspiration rate, which is the amount of moisture that's being lost through the grass, going up through being alive and also through the evaporation. And then looking at those figures, we can then work out how much water roughly we need to be putting on it. So it's not just the case, everybody seems to think we just go along and throw water at mm. it. And it's not just a case of going and throwing 10 millimetres at everything or five millimetres. Um, you know, we'll put 10 on some of it, run it down to 8 or 5, depending on how well the, the, uh, how well the ground holds the moisture. And also we use something called wetting agents, which very basically stick water molecules to soil molecules so that we make best use of the water available, so that we're not having to go over it as often. And that also helps when it gets very wet in getting the excess water through the soil profile and down into the chalk. When you're walking the track, can you feel it with your feet? Yes. Exactly. You can? Yeah. If you walk it often enough. 
and you know, I can even, you know, I've got a pair of thick boots on, yeah. I can feel it through those, but just occasionally if you walk barefoot, yeah. um, you can really, really feel it. But yeah, you can, you just know. And also you can tell by looking at the grass whether it needs moisture or not. Mm. You know, it starts to, the blades start to get thinner. It starts to get a sort of dark, dully green. You know, when you've cut your lawn and you put the clippings onto the pile, mm. after about an hour in the summer, they go that sort of dark green and yeah. don't look very happy in life, which is exactly the same with this. So you can see just from walking it. Mm. What happens if it's terrible weather and the ground is really churned up? How do you turn that around to make it good for the next meeting? Uh, we've got a team of treaders, um, some of whom you've just seen go past now, um, and then we have another team in on after racing, and we will put that all back by hand. We'll fork it back, so we'll put a fork into the ground, lift the divots out, any big lumps that have been kicked out we'll put back. The real problem with doing that is, is if you have a very wet race day in the middle of the summer, and then you get very hot afterwards, the divots just die off, so what you're actually best to do is get rid of the divots and then fill with seed and soil. Um, up here we try and do that as little as possible because um, it's not the best way. It's difficult to get the seed to germinate up here in the height of the summer um, and also when you're then racing on it, particularly if you're racing a number of days in succession or once a week, you just see when the horses run all you see is a poof, poof of soil coming out yeah. which looks horrible and also you then got to go and put it back again mm. as well as all the other divot marks straight yeah. away. So. Yeah. Not not a nice time. No. I just, you know, I was asking before when I was at Lingfield about the course um, and the drainage system. And I learned that actually there's a huge drainage system that happens. Do you, I know we mentioned before we're on the downs, so yeah. we're high up. You, do you not need that here? We, we've got a tiny bit of drainage up here, but very, very little, just in a couple of small spots. Um, you can see we're up on the downs and you've got high points and low points. And obviously over millions of years, those low points have just got a little bit more soil in them than some of the other bits. So those bits, just in places, we just put a little bit of drainage in, but otherwise, no, our problem is trying to keep the moisture in and not get it through on the whole. How do they put the drainage system in? Because surely you'd have to dig up the whole track in order to put it in. Um, you do, you've got um, tr uh, chain trenches. So imagine a large um, chainsaw, like a really large chainsaw, and then it'll put slits in, they'll put the drainage work in, and then backfill it, and then you've got to grow it in with seed and soil wow. and water and fertiliser and what have you. It's a big job, I can imagine. Now, let's just chat about what you've got in your hand here. Yep. So, tell me about this. Right, so this is my stick, which is what I walk around and put in the ground. Um, everybody, every clerk will have something different. Um, some like pointed sticks, some like flat end sticks. For me, this suits me brilliantly. It doesn't wear down too fast because we've got the metal tip on it. Otherwise, up here, the stick wears down really quickly. And it's like a car or anything like that. You get used to a stick. So if you're having to change it the whole time because it wears down, um, it's not great. And I'd kill a stick a season up here if I didn't have the metal on the end of it. For jump racing, I'd have a flat end on it just because you probably want slightly softer ground or you want to know if it's getting quick sooner jumping than you do with a flat. Um, and then I walk around the course and put the stick into the ground. And it just depends how far in it can go, um, how difficult it is to push it into the ground, what it feels like when it goes in. And people say, well, how do you know? Do you have notches on the stick? And no, I don't. It's just, it's feel. It's the same way that if I said to you, when you're coming up to some traffic lights in your car, how do you know when to brake? You know when to brake because instinct tells you that you need to give it however far and you're going however fast and X, Y and Z. And it's no different from that. 
So that's the one I use to give the going description. Mm -hmm. And then you will see on the going description a number afterwards. And that is from this, which is a going stick and it produces a number, so 7.6 say. And what you have to do is push this into the ground and pull it back so it measures penetration and shear. You do that three times and that gives you the description in one of 80 locations around the track. And then that will spit out a number, it'll average out, spit out a number, and that number will correlate to whatever the going description you've given is. So back in the day before you had this technology, what did you use? Would it just be the stick? Just the stick, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. So this is just a really good tool. Originally, the plan with that was that 7.6 at Goodwood would be the same as 7.6 at Salisbury, Hamilton, anywhere. And unfortunately, what they found is that every track has a different soil type and reacts a bit differently. So now it's a, there's a, a sort of graph that relates the number on that going stick to a going description, and hopefully everything balances up. And it's just it's a, effectively another pair of eyes. Mm. Um, and also, you can then start looking at race times as well. Um, and James Willoughby has been doing some very interesting research on that, race times and going descriptions uh, and uh, the ratings of horses. And that's something that hopefully we'll see a bit more of in the next sort of six months to a year. And just, just quickly, just in case someone's watching this and perhaps they don't know much about horse racing, why is the going so important? Uh, every horse acts on different ground. As you hear, you've got horses for courses. Um, we all say everyday life. And some horses want quicker ground, some want easier ground. Um, and you know that trainers want to get the best out of their horses so they want to have everything in their favour hence I mean you can see at the moment there are two travelling head lads just behind us having a look at the ground for their runners for today so as we're on the track what can you tell me about this grass is this are you happy with this grass is this the perfect ideal yeah it's for, for the time of year and the season we've had it looks great yeah. um, you know if it was looking like this in the middle of the summer for glorious I'd be pretty uh, not pretty I'd be a little disappointed with it but for the time of year and considering what it's had, it's in great condition. Mm. It's so cushiony. And I'm sure you guys can see, I'm just going to bend down. I mean, look, that's, so what did you say? That's four inches. That's four inches, yeah. That's brilliant. Well, Ed, thank you so much. That's Pleasure. really insightful. And uh, have a great rest of the day. Thank you very much. So I've now been joined by Ralph, who is a course walker, and I've just managed to catch him before he does the last lap, is it, of yeah. your course. Now, just tell me a little bit about you and what you do at Goodwood. Uh, basically it's quite um, simple really, we walk the course, we split into two teams and we walk the course, check the running rails, check for any damage overnight so it's safe for racing later and at the end of the day we split into the same two teams and walk it again. And how long have you done this for? Since uh, 1998. Wow, and Ralph if you don't mind saying how old you are? 85. So you don't look a day over 21. <laughs> and uh, I've, I've worked on Goodwood since um, 1974. Nothing else you need, is there, really? No, well, thank you so much, Ralph, yeah, and yeah. enjoy the rest of your walk down the course. It's yeah. a beautiful day as well, yeah. and actually, I, I can't imagine there's a nice place to work. No, no, as I, as I say, you know, it's therapeutic. New betting people interviews are published every week at Star Sports. Exclusive interviews with the key people from the world of sports betting. Check out our full library of interviews at starsportsbet.co.uk. Begambleaware.org. Over 18 only.